Welcome to the CTG Nation podcast, episode number six. Hope you all enjoyed the uh, last episode with John. We were kind of experimenting with mics, so the sound is not the best. Um, but like I said, we'll get this stuff dialed in, and I like, um, I mean, I'm getting reviews from some people, some of my little, some of my nerdier friends that are better with some of this technology stuff and mic stuff and sound stuff, and we'll get it dialed in, but I like the authenticity of it. Um, like always, like, share, review, subscribe, any of all our material, whatever your favorite platform is. Some people have just been listening to the podcast, some people have just been you know, following everything on uh, Instagram and Facebook, so it's basically go together nowadays. Also check out our website, um, it's, on, it's on Shopify, just Google Carolina Tactics Group and all of our stuff comes up. Um, again, keep it up with the feedback, it's usually just some of my close friends right now, but any of y'all can reach out to us on um, on Instagram and we are going to see it. So if you got any uh, ideas or people you want us to talk to, different topics, um, we're going to kind of get into some more current events today, so hopefully nobody gets too butthurt about it, but we're going to stay pretty middle of the road and professional about it. Um, some things I want to hit on... Uh, with how successful the podcast is so far. Um, and we had an all-time high uh, amount of plays um, just the other day. Um, less than a month in, we're about to hit 100 total plays. Um, Spotify's the the top platform being used right now. And honestly, that's kind of the best one because um, that's where you'll see some of the intro music I added in <laughs> on, on John's episode, if y'all catch on to that inside joke um so that's 64 percent of our listeners 25 are on apple the rest is a bunch of other other little apps that people prefer um it even gives us a breakdown of where all of our listeners are and stuff so we're 99 percent america i'm trying to find out where our one canadian is um i think that might be from a from a a knife company that we're associated with under the uh old sniper comp that i used to help with um and then the and then eighty percent male listener, which is pretty. That's almost standard issue for any kind of military, law enforcement, first responder guy podcast. Um, with all that being said, the big news that happened the other day was the verdict for the George Floyd case. Um, this <laughs> this household. Or, you know, the three of us were pretty sure uh, Mr. Derek was guilty of something. But we, we try to stay pretty reserved and don't want a Monday morning quarterback. Certain things that certain officers do in different states because they're all trained different and the laws are different. Um, but I know for me personally, I was kind of confused with him being found guilty of all three charges together um, because that's not really how it would have been prosecuted in South Carolina and that's how my little South Carolina brain works. Um, Bobby, you got some of those specific laws and how that works in Minnesota? From, so through Google, I mean, it's really even hard to try to find much info on it. It's I mean, almost I didn't like, even see anything. I was looking it up 
Yeah. When they, when they came out with those charges, I was like, wait, how are you? So that was something I really haven't seen before. Um, so obviously, Again, we, you know, we, as soon as we saw it, we talked about it. We were trying to figure out like and I've been looking where they up. were going with I've it. I've been looking it up, asking people, you know, asking people who've been in the game longer than me. Yeah. Maybe some people that work in other states. And they're like, man, I don't know. I don't know. And I couldn't. You know, and I don't know anybody in Minnesota. I mean, I'm yeah. Not. <laughs> so, I mean, we can start off with saying so. I, right before the George Floyd case, um, they, th- I want to say, was it the third degree murder they threw out? <clears throat> and then, I so. apparently, there was a court case that was decided right before his case started. Right. So it brought it back into play. It brought it. They were able to bring it back into play. Mm-hmm. The results of that coincided and they were allowed to bring third degree back um so looking at this like i said it's hard to find and i hate using any of these so-called mainstream media articles because i don't like any of their stuff yeah we kind of take it with a grain of salt with like with mainstream pages and that and that's right or left i just want to find something from maybe like the Sheriff's Association in that area or something from their criminal justice or from their criminal justice academy or, you know, one of their, one yeah, of their state so, courts. Like, I can't even find anything like that. So here's a quick little... Well, I'm actually trying to find the one for the unintentional, but... So here's a quick little tidbit that I found. So under Minnesota state law, a person causing the death of another person without intent of causing the death of any person while committing or attempting to commit a felony offense is guilty of murder in the second degree. So we discussed that, me and you. Mm-hmm. And so that the committing or attempting to commit a felony offense was the third degree assault that they were talking mm-hmm. about. And that's how they got that felony offense. Um, Second-degree murder does not require the prosecution to prove that he had an intent to kill Floyd, Mm -hmm. but the state must prove that he attempted to commit the underlying felony of assault in the third degree. That led to... The assault is defined as, obviously, just like, you know, most third-degree assaults, the assault is defined as an intentional infliction of bodily harm. So they must uh, so they must prove that he intentionally applied unlawful force without consent, and it resulted in bodily harm. Yeah. So then it goes on to talk about so third degree it talks about third degree murder. So under Minnesota state law, he caused the, you caused the death of another person by perpetuating an act imminently dangerous to others. And evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life, but without the intent to cause death. Mm-hmm. Then the second degree manslaughter requires jurors to believe that Derek caused Floyd's death through negligence and consciously took the chance of causing severe injury or death. Which I fully agree with. Um... Yeah. I mean, he was, we can sit here and, so if you read, if you do any kind of 
reading on Facebook comments, which I like to do. So you, it's such a powder keg of bullshit. Anyway, but, you know, you have this t- the two sides of arguing everything. Where, the you know, Derek Chauvin or Chauvin, whatever his hell his name is, is a complete asshole, went out there to murder him. And he could have done anything, doesn't matter what, but he was a murderer. And you have the other side who was like, well, it doesn't matter. George Floyd put himself in that position, and that is the end of it. And it doesn't matter if he kneeled on him, kneeled on for nine minutes or none of that. They're just everybody says that he put himself in that position. I I'm I really don't agree with either side. Honestly, I'm kind of right there in the middle with everything. Yeah, I mean I I didn't like the case. I mean, either way, because you saw you saw what George was doing. Um, I mean, Minneapolis is obviously a lot larger than anywhere that I've worked or anywhere in South Carolina at that. But you definitely got to do. You definitely want you get. You definitely have to do what you got to do to take care of the suspect. My very first department I worked at, um, I actually went through a lot of in-house training before I went to the academy because it, it was a wait time at that time. We waited, it was probably like six to nine months. It's a little different now. Um, wait time to even go and get certified. So they did do stuff with you if they decided to hire you before the academy date. It's different in every state. Every department kind of handles it differently. Some people don't even start paying you until you go to the academy. Whatever. Point of me saying that. My first training sergeant, he he literally said, once you go hands-on with somebody, and usually you're going hands-on to take someone into custody for breaking a crime in South Carolina, that's your baby. And that's kind of, you know, a a term we kind of throw around like that is, that's yours. That person, you are in charge of that person. Yeah, you are now in charge of their well-being. Right. That is is your person. So even though that knee on the neck restraint at the time, I'm sure it's probably changed now, was, you know, taught in Minnesota's version of defensive tactics, Like, you shouldn't be sitting on a dude's neck for nine minutes. I would never even put my knee on somebody's neck in the first place. And then, whenever I have gone to the ground with somebody, and anybody I've ever seen, you sit that person up as fast as possible. The only reason they went to the ground, or I took them to the ground, was to get control of them, get the cuffs on. You have control of that human being because they are in cuffs. Yeah. Period. I mean, there's a plethora of reasons why you want I, to do that, too. I get them up so fast, and, and I was saying before, uh, Derek Chauvin was a, you know, quote-unquote veteran. I, I don't know exactly remember how many years it was, but then those three guys with him were basically rookies. Yeah. Um, they were basically rookies. So 
They made contact with George Floyd. I'm not sure if they personally had already had contact with them before. You know, sometimes you know your regular your regular flyers. Yeah. Um, there was some speculation about that before, about who knew who or whatever. But I remember reading it also a, a prior, veteran, but I don't remember it. Yeah, anywhere. who knows? Um, a veteran officer is going to be able to tell that George Floyd was under the influence of something. So you already have an altered mind, um, altered actions. There's just a lot of warning signs to where it should have never gotten that bad in the first place. And a lot of the cases we've been seeing um, it have been a lot of it should never even have gotten to that point. Now, why it got to that point, like, was... Did Derek have a deranged mind? Did person said person have lack of training? Um, did that person not get retrained properly? Was did they skip the day at the academy or in block training for you know X, Y, and Z that happened at that incident that day? Um, and I mean, and that can that can get tied into training, budget cuts. We can also get that tied into. Um, Kind of the, the court of public opinion we've been we've been seeing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was a wild case. Like I said, I'm, I I was sure he was guilty of something. I just was personally confused about getting found guilty on all three of those. I was like, well, that's weird. I was like, I thought because well, I was thinking of it when I, and when I explained it to people because after this verdict came out, people were blowing up my phone. Um, my shift group text was blowing up. All my non-cop friends were it was blowing up. They were blowing me up. Um, and it was confusing to me because all of those charges kind of, and I don't think this terminology is even used at the academy like this, but those charges, I kind of look at them as a vertical progression, you know, starting from the bottom being the least and then kind of working your way up. And you had to go with one of them. Yep. And in Minnesota... I guess you can kind of, the term we use is stacking charges. And they can stack those vertically or, or horizontally. This is just me with my, you know, my visual man mind. They can stack those charges, which is basically horizontal charging, where you can have them all at the same time, which was yeah, new to me. So, and maybe... Maybe I've just been living on a rock, but that was kind of the first time I've really witnessed it like that. So it was kind of I mean, confusing how many me at first. Are we following from Minnesota? Yeah, and then you know when I first read, I was like, "Well, how do you meet? <clears throat> what are the definitions of these, and how do you meet right. these certain definitions when they when you first look into it, you're like, there's no way you can meet something that most of the time you need it, and you have to prove intent." Yet the next crime that he was also found guilty of, there was no intent. Yeah, it's literally in the name; it's unintentional. Right. So that was to me it was confusing until I get in here and I, I'm able to look up these laws and see how they're written in Minnesota. But even then, it's still it's still kind of strange. Yeah. To me, um, and I, I get it; it's 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 different from you know state to state. But then at the same time, we also looked through this and we were also confused of how the sentencing would go. 
Right. And then I read one spot where it was he was found guilty of all three, but then he would only be sentenced for the top one, the most severe one, yeah. which was what second degree unintentional murder. So it was the, the second. Verbiage? Let me look it up because it was the second degree, I believe. Um. Yeah, so under Minnesota sentencing guidelines for a person with no criminal history. Okay, so this talks. So we're talking about. So each one of those charges brings a minimum of 12 and a half years. Mm -hmm. Each one has a different maximum. So the second degree unintentional murder has a maximum of 40 years. Third degree murder has 25 years. Then the second degree manslaughter has a max of 10. So you read all this and they're, they're blurting out all this information, yet. They've talked about how he will only be sentenced on the second-degree murder because, like most states, per state law, it's the single most serious charge. Right. Um, read into this article that I found here. Is like, and these are all, I'm, I'm reading off some, these are all mainstream media outlets that I'm reading these from, so you can take that for what you want, but... Talk about sentencing guidelines suggest that it's more than likely that he'll get around 15 years, but the prosecution's going to ask for more. And I, I kind of find this, I don't know how really, it's kind of ridiculous, but they're going to argue on basis of one example of there were minors at the scene and watched Floyd die. Hmm. And that is one of the reasons, that is one of the examples they're going to use to push. That is a check in the box. Yeah. In South Carolina for bumping up a charge. Yeah, so they're going to use that to push it closer to that max. Hmm. Which, obviously, if we get I mean, into what we were... up there. That's how it's Yeah, written. and if we... I mean, you, know, you know, obviously, we get into talking about what we were talking about with the media and certain politicians pushing their own opinions out there right. into the open. right. I don't see them being unsuccessful to push into that 40 years. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't think anybody saw him getting prosecuted on all three. Because, let's just go off of, um, you know, the general public that doesn't, you know, that has limited judiciary system knowledge. I mean, yeah. I mean, even with us, though, you think about it, we were, like, kind of confused of how this all stuff was going to go happen anyway. Yeah. Um, I thought he was going to catch one of those. I knew he was going to catch one. Yeah. And if it was the top one, I'd have been like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they proved it, they pro I mean, that's what you have to yeah. do. You have to prove stuff in court, not what you think. Yeah. So, obviously, and, you... And, and getting into what we think, there was politicians that said stuff... Uh, beforehand that, you know, if we don't get the verdict we want, we're going to, we're going to riot, basically. I mean, that's not, I'm not quoting. I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing. Paraphrasing. That was, that, was, that, that was the gist of it. Where I was just like, well, it's not up to what you want. It's what happens within the system. And I mean, if you don't trust the system, I mean, there's certain institutions I don't trust either, but. And I'm not sure... If when that was said, if at that time the jury was sequestered or not, right? Which the jury was not sequestered until the very end. Yeah, it was towards the end. They weren't sequestered the whole time, which kind of blows my mind. I mean, by the time they picked like the this. jury, it was already plastered all over the news. 
Well, I mean, it happened all last year. Yeah. I mean, all last year yeah, was I mean, a result was, of I mean, said case. A year ago. Um, you know, like I said, I've read. I love reading to get some laughs, but on social media, of all the comments I read, of basically everybody saying, you know, the media, the media's done it. That's why this is where it's at. Anyway, I mean, not necessarily. What he 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 messed up, and he did what he did. Yeah. In turn, causes death. Right. Um. But the media definitely played a huge role in pretty much all of last year's incidences. Right. Well, and you'll never really know why because Derek Chauvin did not testify. No, he did not. So we don't even. I mean, I don't even know if it'll ever happen. I don't think it will. But have like a, have him explain. Hey, bro, why'd you do that? Because I mean, we have that kind of debrief and conversation on the street and in the military in whatever capacity. And it, you know, a testimony never, may we'll, happen, and we'll never hear if he does I mean, get as of right now. Yeah, and if he does get an appeal, it may he, you may see him testify. Yeah, you may. Because um, obviously him not testifying the first time didn't help. I mean, it didn't, and it didn't hurt him because, you know. He still got <laughs> fully prosecuted. You know, I remember watching the video, and it was almost one of those things where, like, he didn't think anything he was doing was wrong. And then the people were stepping in, yelling, all this other crazy stuff, and he continued to do what he was doing. As like a principal, yeah. I mean, he made the decision to 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 die on that hill. Yeah. I mean, that might be a bad terminology for this. I mean, like you talked about, yeah, we may picked, never know that hill to, to if he really ground. thought that he was just doing what he did to, on the hundreds of rests I'm sure he had in his career right. before. Yeah. Because I mean, he was a. Because, you know, you think about it, most rational people aren't going out in broad daylight and murdering people in front of the public, especially wearing... A uniform. A uniform. A badge, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll never know. Because, I mean, I don't think it was, in his case, I don't think it was a... I don't think it was a lack of training. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be a 20-something I mean, he he was basically FTO on two of those guys, wasn't he? I think so. Something <laughs> I mean, like that. Was, I mean, they were all like together. I don't know how they run stuff there, but yeah, I mean, he was teaching those guys. No, there's to me, there's no better. I'm using kind of a bad example of this, but there's no ex, experience is the best training, right? If that makes any sense. And you take a guy who's been doing that for years. Most of those dudes are pretty hot, you know, shit hot. Yeah. Now you have some that are shit bags, obviously, because yeah, cool. they've been getting away with a lot of shit for years. Of but... course. I don't know. I, don't know. <clears throat> I was definitely confused. Whenever I see these videos or people show them and they want my opinion, and I try to, I try to reserve it. But I mean, I see, I will always see stuff in videos where it's like, that's not how Aaron does things. It's like I would never even be in that position. I, I would have never left somebody on the ground that's already handcuffed on their stomach for nine minutes. 
There's no fucking way. And nobody that I know that I've worked with would let me leave somebody on the ground, on their stomach, handcuffed, along with your knee on them. And Derek looks like a grown-ass man. Yeah. So that's, you know, six foot, 200 pounds. Well, you start guy. getting into stuff of just CYA. You're just, you just got to cover your ass. Yeah. You're already talking about, so if you look into the medical examiner's report. Of, Even those were conflicting. They were very, and if you listen to his testimony, that, that shit blew my mind too, but you're looking into a guy who does have underlying health conditions, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how he had those underlying health conditions, he had them. And when you take that guy Dermot into your George. custody, yeah, yeah. When you take him into your custody, he becomes your responsibility even if you don't know about those underlying health conditions, it's still your responsibility to maintain yeah. his well-being. I don't know when. Um, so we always joke around here, but you know, when in doubt, call EMS. I don't remember when EMS was called. I don't either. During their whole interaction. I don't either. We could probably look up a timeline, but like I said, I don't want a Monday morning quarterback it too much. I just want to get down to some of the kind of fundamental things where I was taught to get somebody up as fast as possible. Do what you got to do to get control of them and handcuff them. But I've sat people up so fast that I was fighting. Once I got them in cuffs, I was like, hey man, get, you know, get up, breathe, like we're done. And this I mean, <laughs> prime example back when me and you lived together before in the other area of the Midlands here. Mm -hmm. And we had that run in with the, the homeless guy and the whippets. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then we can go, we can that, go, we can go into that story. Yeah. So you have, well, you have that guy who's, that, and that's just, that was just us, you know, as you know, we weren't working, we were in our neighborhood at our house, you know, kind of downtownish area. You have various types of homeless personalities. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, were you, were you already at the were you already uh, at the firehouse? I think we were. I think you were already, or you were at least at the fire academy, or at the. No, know, I was working. At, oh, you're already working. I think I was I, already working. I was already working. And uh, your girlfriend mm -hmm. at the time comes in, kind of the, kind of the back, the back yep. way to the house, not the way we usually came. I mean, yeah. what she do? She came straight into the house. It was like, hey, there's like a guy in the middle of the street, like trying to wave you down, and he's like, kind of a creepy, sketchy situation. He's like laying down. But I think he needs some help. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when you know, toss you some some nitriles and be like, hey, dude, let's because this dude's probably gonna be gross. Yeah. I guess we'll go help this guy and hopefully don't get robbed. Yeah. In whatever trap this is. Right. And then, obviously, we walk up there and get there. And <laughs> so we got our gloves, <laughs> put a gun on. Safety first. Yeah. We both had guns. Go yeah. up there, uh, yeah. not get robbed at night. Yeah. Um, walk up there and hear the sound of a whippet can going off. Yeah, just... <clears throat> I was like, at first, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. So long story short, kind of an obese, homeless guy. Yeah. Had fell out of his. Electric wheelchair. Yeah. Old power wheels. Flipped over after he was just completely blitzed off of whippets. Yeah, so there's cans all over the place. He's got a uh, a detached 
Oh, the attached catheter bag. Half his foot's rubbed off from where he drags it on yep. his jazzy chair. Yeah. Um. No, he was fa- he was face down. Oh yeah. He was face oh, yeah. down, and he he was full Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. And was he unconscious when we got to him? No, because remember we walked up and he's still huffing. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey guys. He doesn't pass out. You guys want to party point, at any point with us? No, he didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we sat there and fought with this big bastard to try to get him up in his chair because he was such. It's like dead. It's like dead floppy weight. Yeah, and just then there's like a just open water hose of catheter bag there. So that's when said sergeant from said department. department, yeah, gets there. It was like, oh, nothing to see here. I'm just going to try to scoot out of this one without helping. Yeah. Not taking any responsibility over any of this. Yeah. Like. And it was the, I'm pretty sure it was the shift sergeant. Yeah, he, the mustache said so. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember him being like, oh, do you guys need help? Or like, yeah, dude, like, this is kind of a big boy. Help us out, get him on this chair. And he kind of sat there. Some more until we finally kind of like. And that, that's a charge in South Carolina too, by the way. Huffing. Yeah. That's not the exact term for it, but that that is a charge for whippets in South Carolina. So then gets out, barely helps us, if you even want to call it help. He didn't touch him. We'll put it that way. Yeah. And then gives my collects the whippet cans. Yeah. Puts them back in the bag which, for him. Which whippet cans? That it. can be like the the, the the compressed air. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple different things you can give them back to him and was like yeah buddy here where are you headed oh to the Roach Motel cool well go down here three more blocks hang a left you're there just get out of here it was basically one of those I didn't see you get out of my jurisdiction so I don't have to deal with you mm-hmm. then he continues what another 200 yards before he passes out in front of the house in again? front of the house okay so the uh, the the charge that would have been used that night in SC Code of Laws is forty four slash fifty three slash one 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 zero. Aromatic hydrocarbons shall not be used as intoxicants. That's a fancy but word. That uh, that officer in that department did not wish to make that charge that night. And let him keep going, going down the road, and then passed out in front of our house. Where two more <clears throat> guys from who called again? Who called the second time? Me. I called him again because I didn't want him to pass out in front of my house. Right. They're like, oh, well, at least they finally came and yeah. threw his cans away. Yeah. But then I think he, they threw them away in our in our trash can. <laughs> in our yeah. trash can that was out the road. But to me, when I look at that, and if I put anything I know to the side, I'm just Joe Blow the civilian. And I witnessed that. And this dude gets ran over because there was no street lights. Yes, that was a dark. And he gets dark part of the neighborhood. Completely just mowed over because remember the car did almost hit him. Yes. There was somebody that Yeah, because we were watching. He gets mowed over, and I witnessed these cops basically leave him there. I'm gonna wonder why they didn't take him under at least arrest Some, him for, yeah, the, for the aromatic hydrocarbons. Yeah. Or, you know, because he's he's high, he's pissing and shitting all over the place. He's disabled. 
you know. And if I'm the officer getting involved in that, I don't want to have that. Protection and I don't want to have that on me. It's like, yeah, I had an interaction with him later that night, and he got ran over. Well, yeah, no. why'd you just, you knew that he was unable to get to where he was going. Why did you just let that happen? Yeah. We see stuff like that all the time where it's like, oh, why'd you let that happen? Yeah. Well, look, I got I it. I didn't want to deal with it. I got it. It sucks. But you also have a job to do. That's right. As much as we hate these people sometimes for doing some stupid yeah. shit. Especially frequent flyers that just never, ever learn that you know by their first name and you know where they stay and you know what they're on. and Yeah, it's a lot of unfortunate stuff. Um, all that being said, um, I mean, with Derek, I mean, with, with Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, I mean, I don't, I don't think any of that was had anything to do with training. No, I don't think it had anything to do with budget cuts, which, you know, they brought up the budget cuts after that. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I don't either. I mean, we can assume what it had to do with, you know, was Derek an asshole? Was he on a power trip? You can, you can what if it's Did death, he, but I yeah. think training was probably the last. Not, not for him. It was last of it. Not for how many years he had already been in. <clears throat> but stemming from that, which a lot of that stuff's been overturned by now, um, you know, some of the bigger cities that were like, slashing millions of budgets oh. from some of these larger departments across the country. Um, I mean, they're I mean they're slashing money that's, you know, part, departments here don't even have at all. Yeah. And they were only cutting like 6% of their budget. Where like Insane. 6% of their budget is more than anything most of the departments here would ever have. And, um, and then with some of the other cases we've been seeing, uh, is it a shoot, no shoot situation? Um, there was the one where she pulled the, mm. I, I don't even know where that was. I try to, that, where was that? Cause if I just consume too much of it in my head, it, it, but where the veteran female officer, they're out on that yeah. traffic stop and she pulls her gun instead of her taser. I don't know. Like where they keep their taser. It's supposed to be weak side. Um, there's a lot of people that think, you know, your primary weapon needs to be your taser, but now there's states that say the taser is lethal force. So you're telling me a taser is the same level that, well, I mean, lethal force is lethal force. There's no, so you're telling me that's the same as, is my Glock? That doesn't make any we sense. Really disagree with that. Yeah, definitely disagree with that. Um, which some of the stuff with, um, with these tasers, um, I can't really divulge of it on any of my my personal ones because they're either too recent or you know have to involve ongoing cases um but i'll just say that some people to include myself would rather not have the fucking thing i mean if you're getting in it's just it's i would, gonna get I would rather i'd rather not have it because we were kind of over time we were kind of working up to hey officers need more options for less, less lethal force, escalation of force, the use of force continuum, we need more options. Because back in the day, 
you know, you had a billy club, a six shooter, you know, and kind of, you know. These hands. Your, yeah, these hands. Um, you know, along with, of course, you know, a, a smooth tongue if you got it, um, which always helps. Um, so that's Apollo trying to get into the room. So that was another situation with her, though. That wasn't, that wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, maybe it was training, but it definitely wasn't years of experience. Yeah, because she was another one that had been an officer forever. Yeah. And there's, you know, we talked about the whole the whole stress thing. You mean to tell me, though, that she's been doing that job that long and not been in a stressful situation just like that? Yeah, and that, that uh, you know, I watched the video and... That was not a high stress, you know, even like felony stop type. No. I mean. There was a whole, like, I don't know how. I walked up on, you know, textbook domestics that were worse than that. That didn't even involve any weapons or warrants. She pulled her Glock. While looking at said Glock, she's yelling taser. And nothing in her mind ever not put two and two together while I'm all. saying taser, this doesn't even look like my taser. Right. Doesn't feel like my taser. But she went with it. She went full send. Yeah. I don't know okay, what you have to go. do in here, training here to go. correct that. Yeah, it was... Um... It was in Minnesota again. I forgot about that. Was it Brooklyn? Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Ten miles from where the trial was happening. Yeah, I I personally don't know how you pull a gun instead of a taser. There's lots of lots of rules in all the states where the taser has to be on your weak side. You've got to do cross draw. There's some Mm -hmm. places that allow you to... It can still be positioned, um, not, not reverse position, but if it's on your left side and say your right hand, you can pull it with your left hand mm-hmm. and it's still positionally forward where you're not cross drawing. And you can, again, that's another one of those things where uh, you can Monday morning quarterback positioning and tactics and all that and, there, and there's not gonna be a perfect answer. Um, of how that how that needs to happen, but yeah, that that, that video was so. Oh, it was definitely cringeworthy. It was definitely cringeworthy, and um, again, I'll I'll hit on. I don't know. I keep falling into the kind of Monday morning quarterback in this shit, but some people want to understand some of these, and maybe maybe this will help people look at different tactics to avoid escalated situations that can lead to mistakes like that. Let's just, this sounds bad, no disrespect to uh, to Dante Wright, but let's not look at that female officer's decision. Let's look at that contact officer's decisions. He already talked Mr. Wright out of the vehicle. Yeah. He already had Mr. Wright turned around. Cuffs out. 
one of the first, one of the things they they plow this into your head at the academy, and this is you know during DT week, defensive tactics, and you go into handcuffing there. You once you have made the decision to arrest, which once they knew they had a warrant and it was confirmed, they went forward with the arrest. You handcuff that person as fast as possible, not violent, not disrespectful, just and they there's techniques to do it, speed cuffing. Um, now that, that those positions, you know, it's not a in a vacuum kind of world, perfect world where, where speed cuffing is going to be exactly how, uh, you know, said personnel that if anybody's been to the South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy knows who I'm talking about, um, it's not going to be perfect. But do not waste your time putting cuffs on that individual. If the decision to arrest has already been made, what are you waiting for? He, the, the, that contact officer was significantly larger than Mr. Wright. That's what I was trying to go back because I would want to say that I remember. When you were on the side of a car like that, he didn't, he didn't even ask him to step to the rear fucking step away from the vehicle. That was my biggest thing. Is he, he doesn't block the door. He let him have open rein to get back into the car. Right. Um. Which, in the moment, sometimes... Right. You know, and I have stuff had, that happens. I mean, I've I got had, it. I, I've personally had a very, very similar situation to this. Um, I, don't, I don't think at the... But just kind of... If y'all have seen that video, just it was kind of that same setup. And um, the guy decides to, he was drunk, leaving the club, decides to get back into the vehicle. I was in a different um, position. I was towards further to the rear of the car. I was not next to the car where he, where he was. And this guy manages to run back into the vehicle. I was kind of the faster dude on shift that night and I'm the first one to get to him as he gets into his charger and tries to drive off. Now that's also a dangerous like if he'd put that into drive, I probably would have let go. At yeah. least that's what you should do. I can't yeah. say that's what I would have done in the heat of the moment because who fucking knows. But he was not I took control of his hands and I took control of his head. He was coming out of the vehicle, me and another younger officer, and I say younger because the sergeant that was with us was, in, he was in double digits of his experience, let's put yeah. it that way. A lot of people know, if you get somebody that's policing that long, they did stuff different than how we were taught and how we were brought up now. And it's changing faster and faster. I do stuff different than other people we have on shift that have only been in a year or two. And I'm kind of in my four to five year range with a little break in service, but I was still in security. So kind of same world, whatever. Judge me however you want. And sergeants like that, or their patience is, it's longer and shorter, if that makes sense. So when this happens, and this was a situation where I heard something different than what the sergeant ended up doing. I was not doing the act because I had control of the suspect. I was, he was, we were muscling him out of the car. I hear 
taser, taser, taser. And I'm like, oh shit. So I kind of back off a little bit, still controlling the suspect, but kind of giving him a window to where I thought he was going to like drive stun him and get him kind of in that muscly part of your back yeah, right, right there. Because that that's how, that's, that's how tasers work. You get more muscle, that, that lock, that's how it works. So it wouldn't be, you're not shooting the taser because you're not going to get that spread up close to your drive, drive stunning. Take the cartridge out, put it up to, you know, some meat, and they're riding. Well, right after the third taser, 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 which I thought I heard, which was not what happened. It's just I had something preconceived in my head that I thought was going to happen. I look. An old salt dog sergeant is shaking up a bottle of OC. And it's like OG, <laughs> saber red, the red death is coming, and I do not do good with OC. I did okay um, at boot camp when they put you in the gas chamber, and that's a different, that's a different substance, and you know, you would know more about that than I do. Um, but from <laughs> from my exposure to the academy. Everywhere I've been, if I have the option of what I have and do not have on my battle belt, and one of those is OC, I'm not carrying it. Because I'm not bringing that to the fight. Because if it's on my belt, that means somebody else can fucking get it. Yeah. Um, back to story. Saber Red's coming. I literally see the red spray coming towards me. Okay. On the body cam, you know, you see, you see the suspect, you see my hands, you see the other officer's hands. We're trying to get control of him. And you hear on the video, I'm going to spray, I'm going to spray or something, some repeat command like that to give us a heads up about what's about to go on down. All of a sudden the video kind of, you know, like goes kind of fuzzy because I'm running. And then the next set picture you see is me about maybe 10 yards behind the vehicle, looking at said vehicle with the suspect covered in red, the other officer covered in red. Um, I even think the, the, the salt dog sergeant that sprayed got covered because I think like the top, it was a kind of an older bottle, I guess. Yeah. And you hadn't used it in a while. Um, and like the top kind of broke off, so it all came out. Yeah, decon for that was fun. Uh, and by fun, I mean not fun. So we ended up going, we had to take him to the hospital. I had to like, you know, cover him in milk and <laughs> <laughs> milk Surprise. and water. And so that kind of similar situation, totally different outcome. Well, I think in the long run, it would have been similar outcomes if old. Annie Oakley just would have pulled the taser instead. <laughs> yeah. So, again, that's another one of those where, you know, non my non-law enforcement friends will show me <laughs> law enforcement instances that come across the news, across the country. And I'm like, hey, man, I... I don't have an answer for you. I can kind of sort of explain some certain things. And that's kind of what I try to do uh, for anybody. I try to help them understand more. I don't want to 
because I wasn't there. That video, how long was that video? Like two minutes? It was something like if that. If I'm ever on a call and I'm looking at my body cams and it's something that was two minutes, it was something that we took no action. It was not a high, if I have a video where it's a situation that's that stressful, that video is going to be like 45 minutes, 50 minutes from start to finish. Not even, sometimes not even including a trip to the jail. But you're only showing me two minutes where I guarantee the body cam video on that is way more than that. With not a lot, and I'm not getting a lot of context. That's why I'll explain stuff to people, but I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, that cop fucked up. That's, because I don't fucking know. I wasn't fucking there. Yeah, you don't know what goes on before or after, during. Yeah. You just see the edited portion, and that is yep. it. Yep, or you see what the news wants you to see. I don't know. It sucks. But I try to explain it to people the best I can. That's kind of one of the reasons we started doing the podcast. So we can just have a, a regular you know, conversation with whoever we have here, if it's just us two or whatever, and then explaining that to people listening. Um, what horse you want to beat next, Bobby? We kind of we kind of beat this training budgets. The unfortunate George Floyd and the Mister Wright cases going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we can. I think dive into. I mean, I think the, with the one more thing with the training. If you're not getting it in your department. One, you need to be pushing that constantly. Nobody's going to fire you for being annoying about asking about training classes all the time. Continued education, continued training, bettering your knowledge, bettering your skills, bettering your body. If anybody fires you for that shit, even within the nice little state of South Carolina, somebody will be happy to hire you. If you are not happy somewhere, you're not getting what you need and what you want, there is somewhere that will give you what you need and what you want. Um, with the training, one big thing I wanted to hit on, I was having a round table kind of Zoom call, Zoom call with, um, with Valkyrie Tactical Solutions. It was some of us that had taken some of their classes, some of their instructors, um, and one of them that works up in the upstate that I went to the academy with, he really, really hits on stress inoculation. And that's just, what that means, that means some real ass training that gets your heart going, gets, gets you sweating, gets you kind of distracted where maybe your decisions aren't as good as if you were, you know, kind of sitting down and you're, you know, you're at your piece of paper and you got your little outline on your little fucking podcast like we're doing right now. But... When you're out on the streets, you're out in the shit, you're fighting somebody, you're sweating something, you're sweating all over the place. You need to simulate those things as good as possible. What what, what are your opinions on kind of stress inoculation? Because you do plenty of it in your job. It has to happen. It has to happen. It has to happen. You also can you can also weed people out yes. with that. Yes. And it's very apparent that pe- certain people cannot do good in a stressful situation. And then you can also pinpoint your people who are very good at it as well. Correct. To me, it also it shows you where you are at, whether yeah. it's your gross motor skills, 
right. your fine motor skills and what you right. need to work on. Uh, it's a very simple example of that. I know you and me are the same. I'm pretty sure Kyle is the same. Some other people we know in, the, in some other teaching environments I've been in. It can, let's just talk about like kind of with shooting. If I'm at a flat range, indoor, outdoor, once I'm in my groove, and it kind of depends how often I'm shooting, and you know, it's a it's it's a it's a skill that can, um, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. But if I'm in a good pattern, I'll do good for you know whatever my I call it shooting endurance is, and your shooting endurance is a lot higher than mine, um, just because of the training you get, and most of mine has to do with you know, what we have at the sheriff's office or what I can do on my own time. I'll be good for a little bit. But then I like start getting bored and like, am I trying different distances? And are we doing uh, different type of drills? Are we doing Mozambique? Are we doing failure to stop? Um, but when we start setting time, time limits, when you, hey, run over here 25 yards, come back, do some push-ups, then do this. When we're, when we start hustling and moving, there's a lot of situations where we start shooting better. There's a lot of situations where I speed up and I get into a rhythm and yes. I do, and I do shoot yes. better. Yes. Um, I know guys who are amazing shots. I know, you know, I work with some guys that are we got some, I got a, a President's 100 guy that I work with. Right. Great shots. I've had some guys that have left the unit that are, were just as good shots. Amazing with a handgun. But that's all bullseye stuff. Right. The, the second you throw a time on that and you speed them up, dude, their grouping is trash. Yeah. And I wouldn't want them, honestly, I wouldn't want them beside me in a stressful Type situation. Yeah, on the street or overseas or whatever. Yeah, you're on a you're on a flat range, and the minute you get the minute things speed up, you lose all fundamentals that you've always shot right. with, and you are good at, and you know the fundamentals, but yeah. you throw them out the window. Yeah, like you're good on a bench or a flat range. Yeah, or long distance with all the time in the world, or yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different. I don't think because people just don't like that stress. And that suck. But in all the professions we've talked about, you have to have that. Or stuff is going to start happening. You, you got to be able to like, slow it like, down. Like it's been happening. It's getting on the news and it's ruining people's lives and careers. And You got to be able to slow it down in your head, think through it, and follow through and finish. I mean, it's. I think it's one of the most important things you can do. I know guys that even doing my normal stuff that doesn't involve. Is, in the course of my job, you're being in a plastic suit, sweating your ass off. Even in training, these guys let the outside environments. You know, they get hot, and get sweaty, get some sweat in their eyes, and they lose every ounce of common sense they've ever had, yep. any ounce of intelligence, and they literally go brain dead. 
the people will freeze. They're can barely free, use can barely use their hands. Freezing in controlled training environments, and they can't think. And you, yeah. and you got at that point, you're relying on hopefully somebody else being there and being like, "Hey, dude, you've missed forty five steps in between the two actions you just take. You just mm-hmm. took like like what's going on." Sometimes people get better. I've seen people who have not gotten better at all throughout the time. Yeah. But that's how you know who you want on your team and not on your team. And, I mean, that's why they – I mean, that's why you see some of the stuff you see from different boot camps and academies and selections and – I mean, I know over the last couple of years, you know, um, buds for the Navy SEALs. I mean, Navy SEALs has been kind of the the hot thing for a few years, and all of them are writing fucking books. Some of them are good. Some of them are campy. Some of them are, you know, serve their purpose. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's like, hey, Bo, you ain't getting on this team if you can't take the suck. And I don't think enough organizations do that. I'm all about I'm all about having essentially like an A team and a B team and a C mm-hmm. team and whatever else. I I get the whole and I argue with this all the time, especially with what I do, because I bring this up a lot. Because I hit hard like when it comes to my job and the way that my team's seen from outside agencies that I help or work with is I take a huge pride in what I do and I don't want to look subpar. I'm called to be able, you call me because you don't know what you got's going on. Like you don't, you're at a roadblock, you don't know what's going on, you call us, we're supposed to show up and be hot shit and figure it out for you. So I don't want guys, I don't want to go somewhere and have guys that don't know what's going on with me. And it sounds kind of bad because I know people have to get experience. And to get experience, you have to show up and do the job. But there's certain aspects where you need to do training on your own, possibly, to get there. That way, when we do show up somewhere, I know everybody that I got is good to go. And I don't have to worry about covering their ass or worried about what they're saying or doing or anything like that. We can flow. And sometimes I find myself being like, you know what, I don't know if I really want necessarily that guy with me for what we're about to do. Right. So, and I'm kind of leading this into kind of our, our next section right here, and it just ends up being on a, on a certain topic, but I kind of take it a different direction. Do all of your guys all have the same knowledge, or do they all have their own little niche or, or levels of expertise? Or a lot of the do way... they specialize in certain things, like are... I mean, y'all gotta y'all gotta cover a lot of shit. We have a metric fuck ton of stuff that, yes. you know, jack of all trades, master of none kind of deal. Right. Is but do you have masters within for, your organization of jack of all trades? There is a lot. Yeah, there's guys that they find something they really like to do. It's like, hey, we're really good at drugs. I'm really good at bio stuff. It's like, oh man, I yeah. Really so like you pick up stuff. I don't know if I'm really dumbing that down or you know, like for me, I hate like radiation stuff like I don't like the math 
I don't find it interesting. It's one of those threats that's, it's a big bad threat, but it's on the lower potential. Yeah, it's like your, the, the lower potential of you seeing Ever seeing it, it, ever it seeing. in an actual thing. Not saying that it never will, but you don't really focus on that much. So I kind of gravitate to things that I know that I'll possibly see. Right. It's more of a threat. So I'm really good at, you know, there's certain things that I can look at precursor-wise and be like, oh, I know exactly what's going on here, what's being made, stuff like that. And other guys do like the radiation side of things. They're good with the math. They know how all the equipment works. They can figure it all out. And so that's kind of how we go. You kind of like pick that thing that interests you the most, and you run with it. And that's how you get kind of a well-rounded Right. Kind of thing, but I mean, well-rounded unit, basically. Yeah. So the reason I ask that is because, so I'm currently going through a a, a DUI and uh, field sobriety test research. Not my cup of tea. Um, that doesn't really interest me. Um, I think. My, my personal opinion, you know, law enforcement that runs a shit ton of traffic, I think that's, I think it's kind of soft. That's my personal opinion. Not to say that it's not important and it's not an aspect of the job. But that goes along with one of those things that, like, our sheriff has made the decision that he wants everybody certified in it at all times. So whenever that, you know, expiration comes up, because all these things are, it's different amount of years for different certifications. He wants everybody certified at all times. Cool. That's the boss. That's the boss's decision. I'm going to do what I need to do to keep my job there because I fucking love where I work. But it's not my thing. It's not what I'm strong at. But it makes sense to know it. Correct, because you're not always going to have the personnel, and this is one of my things, um, and this runs into being jack-of-all-trades. Um, you still got to be able to know a little bit of everything, just in case you got to get the job done by yourself if you ain't got the personnel to do it. You don't have the bodies to do it that night, and by bodies, I mean people you're working with. Um you might not have the option to pick or, you know, or call over who's the best guy on your, like, you don't like work fucking with nuclear shit or radiological shit, but you know how to do it if you're the only fucking option. So, and I've already had this conversation with multiple people at the department before this research and even this week. I understand that it is important. Lives are saved. Lawyers get their money. <laughs> Lawyers get their money. Um, but it's just one of my things where it's just like, man, like, it just, I don't really like it. It doesn't interest me. It's just like, I remember, like, in college, or just not even in college, just in school, period. I did not like writing growing up. Now I can write and talk for a lot, lot longer than I used to. Um, but if I had to 
if I was given a topic to write about by a teacher or professor that did not interest me, I was going to struggle with that paper, period, when I was already struggled as a writer growing up anyway. But if you let me choose, I get to fucking rant about, not rant, but it'll, it'll be more organized than that, but I get to talk about something that I care about and do something that I care about, your passion is in it, I'm going to be better. So, I hit on if, say it's, a, say it's a loaded night. I mean, loaded night. I've got everybody on shift that needs to be on shift. Whatever it's supposed to be for your region, if you got five regions and it's five officers per region, if it's seven people for the whole damn county and that's your max, whatever. I still think... If I get a DUI, I pull a guy over for what I think is going to be a DUI. You don't know that yet because there's different, you know, tests you got to go through. Or y'all get a call for something radiological. And there's other options. And by other options, I mean people that are better at it than you. And I, And that also goes into being a good decision maker and a good leader kind of down the road, there are multiple people in my shift that are better at finding and prosecuting successfully DUIs than me. So if I have the option for somebody to do, do something that is better than me, I'm going to do it. Or at least I'm going to try to do it. You know, Sergeant might be like, hey, you get back to that whole, hey, like, hey, hey, you need experience, hey, right. so you need to right. do it. And, then and you if just, that happens, you do it. if that happens, all right, sir, we're going. We're doing yeah. it. Um, you know, whatever. But, I mean, there's certain situations where if you've got somebody that can handle something better, or maybe if they just come and help you, I'm going to have, I don't want to call them a subject matter expert, but if you got somebody that's better at something than you, that's how you get better. Yeah, I mean, there's been many a times where, for like on, like on there's my certain side of the people house. on my shift where it's like they're not going to be useful for me if I need help with a DUI. Yeah, but there's others that like there's plenty of people that you know, kind of the hot thing here was uh, was the traffic unit that we that we used to have that kind of got repurposed and some of the people got broken up and it's a little different because that's what the community wanted. Um, but those guys are scattered now, and that experience is, I don't want to say scattered, it's spread across the department to where that knowledge and experience is on every shift. It's in every aspect of our department now. So I can get that help if I need it. Yeah, I mean, or if to... you're in a certain situation where it's like, hey, you're the man at this, take it. I mean, my side of the house, you know, we work, since I'm a kind of a statewide type of agency, for lack of better terms, um, we're there for everybody. But you, you always get the you always get the, the egos. But Yeah, well, that's a whole other. We're, <laughs> we're all in the same team, that's a whole right? Other we're thing all in the same team, about. and I don't care who you are. Like, my job is to help you with what you got going on. Yeah, to serve the state, basically. I will teach you what I can teach you. I will show you the ropes if I have to. 
Um, and there's been many of times they're like, hey, man, like, we're going to step back. We want y'all to do it, but do you mind if we have these two guys go in and watch? It's like, no, man. Come on in. I'll show you exactly what we do, and I hope y'all learn from it. And if you have any questions, ask us. I mean, we're here for here for you, essentially. We're all on the same team. That We have a common goal, and we're here to get it done. Right. Yeah, I think I'm just harping on a lot of this because I don't think I see it enough of just the, the training, allocating resources. Resources can be people yeah, and knowledge, not just, you know, equipment or whatever. Um, and I think all of that can keep you out of trouble like we've been seeing over these last couple years. Well, we haven't really hit on it too much, but it kind of brings up a good, a good time to bring it up, is doing stuff on your own time. Correct. I spent, I have spent a lot of my own personal time, especially when it comes to the academics part of my job, just because it interests me, and I'm very interested in a lot of things that I do, to go out there and do my own research on certain things whether it's certain processes, um, certain processes, certain chemicals, certain narcotics, certain explosives, right. things of that nature where I go out. Is, I, and I'm a big fan of case studies. <clears throat> I read case studies all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Um, and all, all that's just academic, not to mention the other things that I do physical-wise, that's whether I'm doing it here at the house or whether I'm right. shooting at the house, dry right. firing, stuff like that, mm-hmm. whether you're doing jujitsu on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, like you talked about earlier, it's a lifestyle. Correct. And we live it. And, and you owe it to yourself. And there's been some officers, people that are close friends, worked with, you know, hung out with socially that I've had them say, and these are people that are close to me. Um, and they were like, man, it's just a job. And it kind of made me, it kind of, kind of made me uncomfortable. It's, when it, when it's it not going that. to your normal job of stocking shelves. Right. Where this is a violent, dangerous job that can be, they can be working EMS on an ambulance or you're unarmed going to scenes where I, as a deputy, am going to be necessary. Uh, firefighter, where you're not armed or, well, you shouldn't be. <laughs> the volunteer service is a little different and rowdy compared, <laughs> depending on where you're at. Um, you can get there. Yeah, I mean, that's I, a, was, almost a whole. Yeah, you could probably talk about that was, for hours. Yeah, but it, you know, you owe it to yourself, and you owe it to the people you work for, and you owe it to the guy you work with, mm-hmm. or I mean, the, the girl guy you work next with. to you, your family. I mean, my kids. I got kids that I just I want to. I mean, you look from where I came from originally from the fire service. You know, I'm a. Let's say I'm a big fat obese firefighter, and I get myself in a situation. Yeah. 
where the only person that's going to get me out is either myself and I fail yeah. myself right. now right. or I fail my team because those guys can't go in there and pull my fat ass right. out. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's stuff like that. You know, as a, as a law enforcement or soldier or whatever, you know, you get mm-hmm. yourself in a fucking situation. Now, you can't, your little scrawny ass ain't toting out this 500-pound dude. Yeah. I mean, look at that. There's a video a while back of that pretty obese, pretty obese cop getting in that gunfight with that uh, chick. And she she gets him right under the vest. And he just gives up. Mm. His fat ass just falls down, mm. and he can barely get up. And he quits. Yeah. He's out of the fight. Yeah. Like he he's completely done. Yeah. He can barely breathe. And just like bro, you failed yourself. Correct. You got your you got yourself kind of in that yeah. spot. And you can get yourself in that spot by being fat and out of shape, being unknowledgeable, uh, not practicing set skills, just being a arrogant bastard, which I think was probably the case with Derek Chauvin. Like I said, that was kind of um, some of my take from that, but yeah. Um, I don't know, and, and with a lot of that training, and that's what I enjoyed. I, I took a uh, uh, a TECC class through Valkyrie Tactical Solutions, um, which is pretty much the civilian version of TCCC, for y'all that know what that is. It's basically tactical first response. Um, and they put you through stress inoculation. They put the they put the stress on you in the because I mean a lot of that knowledge is it's not hard knowledge it's not hard to find out if you've been in the military you've been taught it now if you retained it that's a whole other thing and they even go through it at some of the academy but some of the exercises and the stress the scenarios and some people just don't they just don't fucking do that but why wouldn't you like why wouldn't you practice to avoid a dangerous, life-changing situation. Does Tom Brady not go to practice? There's a reason Tom Brady, like anybody that's usually the best, I mean, and I'm just making sports analogies here, Tom Brady probably practices ass off. Look at any of the greats. They've yeah. all practiced their ass off at their craft because that was their life. Law enforcement and first responders and, and military, it's your fucking life. So why are you not training like an elite athlete? There's plenty of basketball players. You know, Jordan, you'd like do, I don't know, like 100 free throws like after practice. Or some people, you know, you'd be there early and you'd, you'd be the first one there and the last one to leave. And... You're not see. I know in law enforcement, you are not seeing that a lot. Now, you might be late getting home because of certain calls or whatever, but it's not anything to make you better. Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah, I know that. I know when I came through <clears throat> the department I worked for, when I went through the fire academy that they had, because they did their own, I was very lucky to have a guy who really cared the training. Well, they've got a great training training department. They've got a great training. So does the sheriff's office there. 
was, you know, actually give two shits about the people that he trained and mm-hmm. did very well. Mm-hmm. And I want to say we spent two days basically drilling on how to get ourselves out of situations based off of case studies. Like, here's this is how this guy died in the line of duty. This is how the solution, right. based on that, there was a solution found. Right. They would have had this back then. This would have never happened. So how about this? If you find yourself in this situation, this is what you do, and we're going to practice right. this until you can do it in your sleep. Right. And that's the only reason you'll see us, I mean, it's see us, you know, quote-unquote, Monday morning quarterback it because it's experience to save your ass. It's lessons learned from mistakes that happened before you. And that's the best way to go about things is to fucking learn from somebody else's mistakes so you don't have to make it. Mm-hmm. Because there's mistakes that we cannot afford to make in the first responder world, the first responder military world. There's fucking yeah. lives. And unfortunately you know, it takes, it, sometimes it takes a tragic event for... Oh yeah, well we're... It, we're, for that to happen. we're reactionary in nature, but you know, yeah, um, it's and it's is you can't really combat that to an extent, right? Um, but you can learn from it. You can mitigate it by fucking training your ass off. Yeah, you learn from it and you progress from there, and you try not to let that happen again. <clears throat> yeah. Here recently, with all, with everything that's kind of going on, you're going to see, you know, luckily. I'm actually kind of happy where my career is taking me and I'm not sitting in kind of your shoes. I work with enough law enforcement and I'm out, I'm just outside of that realm and I'm I'm actually kind of happy for it. I don't have to deal with some of the stuff. Yeah, some of the normal street stuff can get um, can wear you down. You know, like I was talking about earlier, I have a friend of mine who is who just quit today, who was 19 years in. Yeah. And one that quit yesterday that was 17 years in. Yeah. And a lot of it due to just, I don't want to be a part of this. The, the risk is not worth it. I don't want to be a part of the Monday night, you know, getting Monday night quarterback for something that. Yeah, that can get annoying too. That, that I did right. Or maybe I, I messed up just a little bit. Yeah. Or maybe they completely fucked up. Yep. But, and it's. I don't know. I'm kind of happy I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. I think it really depends on where you are, too, because we just see, like, the one big bad event that turns into a, you know, that categorizes all law enforcement as bad. We'll kind of leave on a, we kind of, I don't know, it didn't necessarily get dark, but got a little serious there for a second. So I'll kind of leave on a positive note with some of the stuff that's been going on in law enforcement and putting a bad eye on law enforcement. Um, and this happened before I came to where I work now. There was all the the BLM protests right when the stuff got hot with George Floyd and Corona and I think there was one other one last summer I don't know anything really got drowned out by this but um, anyway 
locally, there was a, of course, much smaller BM, BLM uh, march protest, whatever we're going to call it. Um, but it was it was not a riot. It was a, it was a legitimate march. It was peaceful. The even the um, the local leadership went out there and marched with them. And one of the local reporters um, spoke with the le- I, I I do not know if it was the BLM leader specifically around here, but it was a a representative. Of that community, it might have been a pastor or something. Yeah, from community leader. From Just yeah, community leader from the from the black community here, and they asked him about every. I don't know the exact question, but it was generally, you know, what do you think about police violence and how they treat black people? And it was very, pretty loaded, very loaded, low, low ball, borderline race baiting question. And um, and this person was just marching with, you know, the chief of police around here, the sheriff, which are both white. Um, and he he was like, well, we're just, you know, this is not us marching for what's going on here. We don't have those problems here. And this was a community, this was a African-American leader yep. around here that said that about our community. Um and I think that makes a big difference. And I think that makes a big difference is what leads to that is having good officers that get their training and give a fuck about the optics of their community and their decisions. What do you think? We'll wrap it up on that. I So I will be 100% honest that since I moved to this area, I have been super impressed with the way the law enforcement has been ran here um you know being from south carolina that's some of these areas are just some of them are bad some of them are good and a lot of the time it's just it's only a matter of time before skeletons come out you find out some of these guys are just terrible people but here is some probably the best i've seen and, that, and that's saying a lot. I mean, that really is. Yeah. That's that's saying a lot. Well, and I know similar places across the state too. But just landed here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I couldn't be happier with where I'm at. Oh yeah. All right, guys, we're gonna wrap it up on that. Um, that was kind of a last minute podcast here. I just kind of threw that one together. And we just kind of ran with it. But I like it. That's how we do things. Um, again, guys, if you want some different kind of guests, if you have ideas for guests, if you have anybody that you want on the podcast, um, different topics, we're even going to start exploring into not, not venues, but like I'm down to go somewhere else. Um, different, uh, local businesses, different local businesses, um, usually that are veteran and law enforcement specific, you know, we'll go out there, we'll go talk to them. If they got a restaurant, if they got a bar, if they're, you know, like an apparel kind of shop, whatever, I'm all about it. We'll go out there and talk to somebody. Um, remember to like, share, review, subscribe, all of our content. That's what really helps us grow. Um, you know, if you got 
somebody in your family or close knit close knit friends that are you know law enforcement or military and they want kind of a weekly discussion about kind of what's going on and 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 gear and different aspects of first responder life and we're gonna we're gonna start exploring into some of that um, a little later just make sure to share all of our stuff thanks guys <laughs>